Live from the bridge at the Launchpad Studios in Huntington, New York, it's Sports Talk New York with your hosts, Mark Rosenman and A.J. Carter. Sports Talk New York is sponsored in part by Cardboard Memories, Clearview, Long Island, the law firm of Decalator, Cohen, and DePrisco, the Phoenix Tube Company, Pims Incorporated, fueling brand performance for 30 years, Prince Associates for all your insurance needs, and Soho Table Hockey. Here are your hosts, Mark and AJ. Joining us now is a left-handed pitcher whose professional career lasted for four seasons, 1962 to 1965, including major league stints with the 1963 and 1964 New York Mets. He was born in Yonkers, New York, was initially signed by the New York Yankees, where he had a 14-7 and record for the 1962 Fort Lauderdale Yankees for the Class D Florida State League, striking out 196 batters in 169 innings with a 2.61 earned run average. He was selected by the Mets in the first-year player draft, after that season and spent 1963 with the AAA Buffalo Bisons, he made his New York Mets debut on Thursday, September 5th, in a 9 nothing loss to the St. Louis Cardinals at Bush Stadium, relieving Roger Craig in the sixth inning. He made the team out of spring training in 1964, appeared in two more games, and then went um, 21 to, and he went 21,296 days before his next appearance on the mound for the New York Mets. It is a thrill to welcome the man who provided some of the best moments from this past weekend's Old Timers Day, Steve Dillon, to Sports Talk New York. Welcome, Steve. Thank you very much. Thank you. Our pleasure. And before we get to Old Timers Day, let's talk a little bit about your career. You went to Cardinal Hayes High School in the Bronx, and as we mentioned, you were signed by the New York Yankees. Who was the scout that signed you, and what was it like to be signed by your hometown team? Well, I, was, I, I went to, as you say, I went to school in the Bronx, right next to Yankee Stadium. Uh, in my junior year of high school, uh, I, after one of the games, I pitched a, a one-hitter. My coach tells me that there's uh, scouts in, in the stands. So, uh, so that that would, what started this whole thing. I, I felt like I, maybe I had a chance to uh, to play professional baseball. And in the my senior year, I had a very good year, senior year at Cardinal Hayes, and I tried out at the end of uh, my senior year, I tried out for what, what the team called the Yankee Rookies. It was uh, all amateur ball players out of high school, uh, and what they did was they went around all upstate New York playing all the all-star teams up there. And we played approximately 60 games. Uh, I, I believe I won eight or ten games uh, with the team. And at the end of the season, Art Didi was a scout for the New York Yankees. I uh, went to him because I had other scouts approaching me on uh, what, what kind of a contract and, and, and wanted to talk to me. So I was asking his, his advice uh, on what to do. And he said, have you signed? with anyone. I said, no, I haven't. He said, well, we up, we'll be up at your house tonight. So they, they came up to my house, and that's how I signed with the Yankees, and it was a dream come true. I had to convince my mother, because I had a scholarship to go to Fairleigh Dickinson in Jersey, and I had to convince my mother that this would be a one-time deal for me. I may never get a chance to play professional baseball, and she okay, she agreed with it, and that, that was the launch my career uh, playing with the Yankees, and then on with the Mets. <laughs> so you go straight to the Florida State League to play for the Fort Lauderdale Yankees, as we mentioned, under player manager Bob Bauer. What do you remember about your first few days as a professional baseball player and, and what it was like? Well, 
you know, just, just spring training uh, actually was my uh, beginnings uh, of uh, getting uh, used to playing, uh, uh, you know, major league, well, uh, professional baseball. Because high school, going from high school to uh, signing a contract, is, it was, it was really a, a higher level because now you're playing with all of the best. So when I was picked to go to Fort Lauderdale and, and Bob Bauer, it's amazing that you brought that because I could not remember his name. I, 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 I knew it was Bob, but I couldn't get, get the last name. Anyway, uh, Bob was also a, a player manager because he, he caught me in my first game. Uh, we play, I played against the Sarasota White Sox, I believe that was, and... I won the game. I think the game was one nothing or something. One it was one two two to one, something very close. And I I have that ball. I have that ball uh, in my collection as the first win as a professional ball player. And Bob caught me. Bob was a wonderful teacher, and that I learned from his experience and the other coaches and the players around me. It was it was a the beginning of of what I thought would never happen. Hmm. And it's interesting you mentioned the players around you. That team had some pretty good young talent. Uh, 17-year-old Mike Ferraro, an 18-year-old Roy White, a 19-year-old Mike Egan. The league also had tons of good players, such as uh, Burke Campaneras, Jimmy Wynn, and Fergie Jenkins. You are, without a doubt, the ace of that team, like we mentioned, going 14-7. and seven. Who was the, either the coach or the player or, or a manager who had the greatest impact on you during that season in the minors? Wow. Well, uh, you mentioned him. You already talked about him. Mike Higgin. Uh, his father, Jim Higgin, played with the New York Yankees. So I kind of uh, gathered around him because I'm sure I was, I was thinking that his father had instilled in him uh, you know, all of the fundamentals of baseball. And he was, at, a, at the first-year level, he was higher than than most of us because he had that background with his father, and Roy White was another one that uh, I, I I kind of palled around with because he had he definitely had a uh, professional uh, uh, leadership and and a career ahead of him. And and uh, when I was at the at the old timers game, I talked to uh, uh, what's the manager for for the. Uh, I can't remember his name. Willie Randolph or Joe Torres? Willie Randolph. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I spoke with Willie Randolph, and he was a good friend of Roy White. And it was like, you know, going back in time, talking with Willie about the Yankees. Because I don't think he knew that I signed with the Yankees. But anyway, Roy White, Mike Hegan, Mike Ferraro was a roommate with me down in Florida. Uh, and I kept in touch with him for for a while uh, when he became a Yankee coach also. I saw him in Yankee Stadium. Hmm. So the 1962 Major League New York Yankees were en route to the World Championship. Their pitching staff featured Whitey Ford, Ralph Terry, and Bill Stanford as their starting pitchers. You know, you take a look at the season you were having. Was there ever any talk of you maybe being sent up to the big club at any point during that season? And Not to me. No, not to me. I, 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 I never even... Thought about it. I knew that uh, when I finished my 62 season, I had had 14 wins, and we won the Florida State Championship. And I went home and I said, "Wow, I I I was on my way to you know maybe playing that was D ball, maybe playing C or A ball, uh, going up at the level." But when 
I was informed by the New York Mets that I was no longer a New York Yankee. Uh, I, I was kind of downhearted about it because uh, I, I felt that I had a good year and I had a, a possibility of playing higher. But like you said at the beginning, they had you know a pitching staff that I don't know if I would have been able to break into that. Uh, so I think going with the Mets uh, uh, made my my career a little bit longer uh, with the Mets because I had a, a a chance to pitch in the major leagues sooner than I would have with the Yankees. Absolutely. So the Mets do take you in that first year player draft a few days before Thanksgiving. You have a pretty good spring training in 1963. Your last start of spring training actually was a televised game against the Baltimore Orioles. What do you remember uh, about that first spring training camp under the legendary Casey Stengel? Well, that particular game, uh, I got a hit. Uh, I, Casey let me hit uh, in the game. It was a last spring training game. It was up in Baltimore, uh, and I was sky high because I, I was on my way back to New York, and they, they stopped along the way and played in Baltimore the Sunday prior to hit, hitting into uh, Shea Stadium uh, the, the next day. Uh, I think opening day was either Tuesday of that, of that week, but in that game, as you said, Casey put me in. Uh, he, I don't know what made him decide. Uh, let him let him hit. I hit, and I got a, a hit um, uh, up uh, shortstop between second and short. And it was like uh, he's, he said. And of course, he he took the credit for making that decision to to allow me to 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 hit, even though I was a pitcher at that time. Pitchers were hitting, so uh, that was most memorable. And then getting on the plane, flying into New York, uh, where I lived, it was just phenomenal. You report to AAA, the Buffalo Bisons, playing for Kirby Farrell with a really. Uh, eclectic roster. It's mixed with young players like yourself, Eddie Cranepool, Al Moran, Chris Canizero, and as well as old veterans trying to get back to the bigs like Joe Christopher, Pumpsy Green, and Marv Throneberry. What were the major differences that you saw between the year you played in the Yankees organization to the year playing under the, the, the brand spanking new New York Mets organization? Yeah, you know, with the people that you mentioned, it was a a wide variety. I was not my first year with the Yankees. I was playing with people uh, my level of, of, of competition and uh, skill skill factors and age. When I went to the the Mets, uh, Marv Thornberry, uh, uh, Chris Canizero, uh, uh, Joe Pignatano, uh, they were all in their prime. Going, you know, uh, uh, up and up in age, and, and uh, there was just so much that I could learn just by watching them. Uh, Duke Hodges, uh, Gil Hodges, I mean, he he was he was at spring training, and, and listening to him talk, uh, it helped me understand, uh, you know, what it takes to to get to the higher level. So it was a big jump from playing with people my age. Uh, uh, compared to the the people of uh, uh, they were established and they were put together so that they, the Mets would have a decent team to put on the field to, to, to get the people to come and watch. So interestingly enough, six Bisons are recalled at the same time in September. All six play right away in a game in St. Louis. What do you remember about the day you got called up to the majors? Uh, well, uh, again, it was a uh, 
uh, outstanding for me. I mean, I was hoping to get back uh, to, to the you know playing uh, in the beginning of the year and being called back and going to St. Louis. It was a it was you know I, I, I wasn't on a, a a big league journey. You know, at the end of the year, I usually playing in Triple A or A ball. It just ended my you know ended my season, but I had a, an extension on it. Uh, on my my playing that year, and it was a it was a great experience. So you get called into that game in the bottom of the seventh inning to face the four, five, and six batters in the lineup. The cleanup hitter at that point is a six-time All Star in Ken Boyer. Do you remember that moment at all? Because obviously, you know Ken Boyer is a big name, and you're just your first major league game. Do you remember that moment? Uh, um, I I, I don't. I know, I know. I know. I was in the in the game, uh, but I could not tell you if if I got Boyer out, if he, if he hit a home run, or if I walked him. I don't remember. Uh, I remember uh, other other games, uh, like the first night game at Shea. I remember that, but th- this game I don't remember. Interesting. So the following season, you make the Mets 28-man roster out of spring training. In 1964, you throw an inning of relief on April 24th at Pittsburgh Forbes Field before being called into the first game played under the lights at Shea Stadium. Um, that's Wednesday, May 6th. You come in the eighth, and you get the Reds out in order in the eighth inning. Ninth inning, you give up a leadoff home run to Veda Pinson. That actually hit the right center field scoreboard. Do you remember what Casey Stengel had to say to you when you came back into the dugout and your reaction to it? Yeah, I certainly do, because that's one of my one of my stories that I, I tell uh, if I go to speaking engagements or something uh, or anything talking about Casey Stengel. I come off the mound and I went to the other end of the dugout because I knew that K- Casey or a coach would call me down and you know tell me what I should have done or give me some hinters or something. And Casey yells out, "Dylan, Dylan, come on down here." I walk down and he said. Right in my face, if they hit another ball off that scoreboard and you break a light, you are paying for it. And the guys around him just let out what were left. And I knew at that point that he was just trying to calm me down. It's okay. Uh, because I was quite upset that, you know, that happened uh, my, at the first night game, and I had to go home and face all of my family and friends, which, which is, so he, he can't really calm me down. It's going to happen. It's major league baseball and you're pitching against major league players. <laughs> so you take a look at your career, four and two thirds innings, but you take a look at the hitters that you faced in that four and two thirds innings, Ken Boyer, Kurt Flood, Tim McCarver, Roberto Clemente, Don Clendenin, Pete Rose, Veda Pinson, and, and Frank Robinson. That's eight pretty good hitters in those four and two thirds innings. What yeah, I, what is your most memorable moment, you know, of your career in the majors? Uh, I think I, I think what you what, what we just mentioned about Frank Robinson and and uh, Pete Rose, you know, at the time it it wasn't it it was I know Frank Robinson was a was an All Star MVP in both leagues, so uh, you know, I, but as Time went on. Looking back at getting Pete Rhodes out and him and and Frank Robinson out, I think those were the, the highlights uh, of my short career. Uh, at, at you know, at, at a later date, those those two uh, batters that I pitched to. Hmm. 
So you go back to the minors in 65, and you had pretty good numbers. You were 6-3 and three in 22 games, yet at the end of that year, you leave baseball. What went into that decision, and how difficult of a decision was it for you? Well, uh, I, you know, I felt that with the limited amount of, of uh, opportunities and teams, uh, players at the time, you know, that I would not get a chance again, you know, because I was being sad. So we went to Auburn, I went to uh, uh, Williamsport, and, and there were low classifications. And I, at the time, I had started a family. I had my first child in 65. And um, those years, the pay was not, the minimum salary was not too enticing. I, I believe it was $9,000 a year. So that meant, uh, you know, the amount of money that I made playing ball would be gone in expenses uh, for living living expenses away from New York. So that, you know, I had to take into account. And um, I could not get the, the Mets to agree to, to give me a higher contract or even a, a raise. Uh, you know, raising salary. It was a big decision. I, 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 I played. I did my best I could. Uh, the Mets were looking for uh, stars like Jerry Kuzman, uh, uh, Tommy Seaver. Yeah, you know, um, uh, I, you know, the, these guys were were the ones that were going past me. You know, I, I, I played with the. Seaver, I played with Cleon Jones, uh, uh, Bud Harrison, uh, Ron Swoboda. I, I played with, with these all these professional ball players, and I felt that okay, they're making the jump, and I have to make a decision here. So uh, I, that's that's what you know. I felt that it was a, a good time for me to go. After leaving baseball, you worked as a salesman for a while before joining the New York City Police Department. We spent the next 21 years before going to private security. Over the years. How many people knew about your baseball career? How often did you speak about it with other people? Well, as I, as I uh, got older, uh, it, it became uh, more uh, prevalent, you know, by, by my, my work, my bosses. Because when I first started, when I was with the police department, uh, I did play with the Police Benevolent Association for a couple of years because I, I still had it in my system. And uh, when I when I when they found out that I had played pitched and and pro baseball, you know, they said, "Come on out, you know, you you know everything. You can, maybe you can help the the, the guys that uh, haven't played pro ball. You know, that, that loved playing baseball." I did it for a couple of years, and then it, it became uh, a second job. You know, uh, I would have to play the game and, and do do my shift at, in the police department. So I kind of got, got away from that. So because I played uh, with the PBA for three years the the word spread and it, and it got to my precinct because I was in the same precinct uh, for the 21 years and we had softball teams and, and uh, you know I played on a softball team so it just was was people knew about it but I didn't have many questions about it and then the 21 uh, the, the 21 years passed and I went on to private private uh, security and. In my, on my resumes, I would I would say I played professional baseball for four four five years, and uh, that would be like a a, a, a point in, in time where they would 
introduced me. Oh yeah, he played with the, and that's that's when it began. So uh, it 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 started to come out more and more as a, as the years went on and on, and and that that's how uh, uh, my son was in, was interviewed. He was one of the police department also, and uh, he he had mentioned to the Daily News reporter that my father played with the Mets, he played with pro ball, and because of that. I was. They wrote an article, and it got back to uh, the, the, the owners and, and management from from the uh, uh, Mets. And when they opened up City Field in 2008, they asked me to come back and throw out a first pitch. And that that's that that's what what you know. I became an alumni from the Mets, and from then on, it just it exploded. And. <laughs> And because of the old timers game that we just had, it's it, it's out of sight now. Yeah, absolutely. So, like we mentioned in the open, it was 57 years since you last wore a Mets uniform and pitched until last weekend. Walk us through the process of when you first got the call from Jay Horowitz to be part of Old Timers Day and the entire you know weekend, and finally stepping onto that City Field mound. Yeah. Well, I got the call from Jay in March. Would you? Be interested, and I said, Jay, I am in because I had I had spoken to Jay, I had met Jay uh, when I threw out the first pitch, so so I knew of of him, and I said, I'm in, Jay. He said, Okay, I'll 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 be calling you, and and as it got closer and closer, you know, uh, I got more excited about it, and and uh, I had some anxiety also because uh, I, I didn't know. How the Piazzas and the Keith and Anders and and the Ron Darlings, how they would you know accept me? Would they you know? Is it like uh, it's too too long ago or, uh, or or what? Anyway, when when it started on Saturday, uh, we were driven into the city, went to luncheon, and in the luncheon, <clears throat> one of the first. Uh, players that I see is Mike Piazza. He came walking in, and and I was up online for for, for some dinner, I think some lunch, and I I started to introduce myself. Uh, I, I said, uh, Mike, Steve Dillon, I play sixty three and sixty four, and he said, we're so happy that you're here. It's so good that that you came and you you're able to participate because you're the guys. You're the, the '60s. It's the the people that started this whole thing, and I couldn't. It was like, oh man, this is like he's embracing me. And everybody that I spoke with uh, uh, on the field after after the, the luncheon had the same attitude that we're glad you're here. And then I started to feel really part of the Met organization and being a professional baseball player. Maybe my career wasn't as long as theirs, but it was a career. I did step on the baseball field in the 60s and played. And then when, when, when we got out, when I put that uniform on, it was like, I'm going, I'm going back. Uh, 60 years, 58, I'm going back. And I walked out of the dugout onto the field, and I said, I just, I just can't. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. I didn't know what to do with myself. You know, they'll get all the players. You got sixty-five players out there mingling around, and and I knew a handful. I knew Craig Anderson. Uh, I knew Jay Hook. I knew uh, uh, Tom, Frank Thomas. I knew of them, but I don't know any of these. Other. And I said, let me just go out to the outfield. I went out to the outfield, 
uh, and just mingled with uh, John Franco, who I met at the luncheon. Uh, and and the Todd Zeal was out there, and I was mingling with them. And then, uh, thankful Todd Zeal came up to me and, and said, "I introduced myself to him." He said, "You want to have a catch?" I said, "Sure." So we we threw uh, for about fifteen twenty minutes because I wanted to get my arm uh, a little in shape because I had trained for a couple of weeks prior to this because I didn't know if I was going in or not going in, but I was going to be ready if I was going in. And I, I, I've kept myself in good shape. I play racquetball uh, so to keep myself in shape. So after we finished playing, uh, having a catch, Hick, Dave, uh, uh, Jacob DeGrom walks out of the, the, the uh, bullpen, out of the center field. And I walked up to him. I felt I felt comfortable. I introduced myself to him, and 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 he said same things. Good to be here. Good you here. You know, uh, you, you deserve being here. And I spoke to him just a little bit. Didn't want to take his time, you know. And and I walked away, and I said, this is this is unbelievable, <laughs> uh, unbelievable. Yeah, so I was on the field and I was watching all this transpire and I watched a lot of the younger players talking to you, uh, a lot of the pitchers. And I, I was wondering in my head, you know, you take a look at these pitchers today and all the information and technology that's available to them and the, the different pitching grips that have evolved over the many, many years. And I was wondering, looking at you, you know, if you ever wonder, had you been born 60 years later, if your career would have been any different and, and what you think it would be like if you were born 60 years later? I, I, I would say I would have a good shot at it because what, you know, what I had uh, in high school, the training, I mean, the, uh, the, the, the teaching that I had and uh, the amount of uh, playing time that I had in New York compared to now, I mean, with all the technology and, and you know, the, the these guys, I don't know how they're throwing 100 miles an hour. You know, I look at Jacob slow, and, and it's like, <clears throat> he, I don't know where he gets it from. Because I, I, didn't, I didn't have a radar gun when I was was playing. I, I want to I say 85 to 90 would be tops, uh, you know, and, and now it's, it's, it's so much better. But I do feel uh, the, the way I felt on the mound on Saturday, that if I was born 60 years later, I feel I would have had a shot because I, when I signed, there wasn't many ball, ball, ball players, many amateur ball players in the metropolitan area that made it what what I made. You know, I made it to to, to a, a professional signed contract. I was so proud that I made it. Uh, uh, um, you know, in New York, on the New York Yankees. Uh, just as a side note, <clears throat> talking about uh, you know making it and and having confidence. My first year at Cardinal Hayes High School, we had a do a book report, and I do, did a book report on playing baseball, professional baseball. So I handed it in, and the, the brother we had brothers and priests teaching us. The brother gave me a B minus, and I said <clears throat> to him, I said, "Would I leave something out, or what, what didn't I do it?" He said, "That's a good written well, but it's not very realistic." And I, I, whew, I flipped out. Well, <laughs> when I signed with the New York Yankees, my baseball coach from Cardinal Hayes called me back after I graduated to to talk to the players that he had. And I saw that brother in the hallway, and I just 
gave him a snide and said, you know, not realistic now. I made it. And, and it was, you know, it was just a, a, a side note that I'm giving you. that I did have confidence back then, and, and I thought when I was a young kid, I thought that I could do it. For a lot of reasons, your age probably being the main one, your appearance on the mound and your performance made you a fan favorite at Old Timers Day. How important was it for you to show that even at the age of 79, you could still throw the ball over the plate? And how much did the crowd reaction affect your performance? Uh, my my, my uh, idea of, of what I was encountering when I was training prior, a couple of weeks before is that no one from my family has ever seen me pitch on the mound. I mean, my immediate family. They, they've read articles, they've, they've heard stories, I've told them stories, but nobody has actually seen me because my children were all so young. I have five children and 13 grandchildren now, and no one has ever seen me do this. So when I went on the mound, I, that's why I trained, I wanted to show them <clears throat> this was real. This is, you know, all the stories that you heard, all the clippings that you read. This this was real for me. I this I, I, I pitched on a professional uh, level, uh, major league level, and now I'm showing you I can do it again. So it meant a lot to, to me to do this. But when I then the game was over, and I made it to the section that we we were in, it was it was unbelievable for me because I had about sixty family members there. And the section next to them and the other section on the other side of them, when I walked down the stairs to get to them, it was they were everyone was screaming. It wasn't 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 only my family, but they were they were all I mean, it was just like these unbelievable, just thunder, you know, screaming, huh? And I said, You know what? I guess I did good. No, you did good. You know, I, I was watching you the whole time and I had a smile from ear to ear, but for me, the highlight that a lot of people might not have even noticed is you actually backed up home plate after a home plate. Yeah, yeah. I, I was so impressed by that. I have to tell yeah. you, that was one of the biggest highlights for me. <clears throat> I said, "Man, well, I, I hope I hope I can do that when I'm 79." Uh, you know, you know, this is uh, the the real baseball people like yourself uh, understood what I did. Other people may not know. They don't know what, what what was going on. Why was I running around the field? But it was an instinct that I had because my nephew, when someone videoed that actual from the seat that we, my my family was sitting in, in in a third base area, they were videoing it. And my nephew, you can hear, I could hear him in the back of the video. Look at he's covering home plate. Holy crap! So he understood. Uh, you understood. A lot of people didn't understand, but but it was it was um, that's what I was trained to do. And you don't, you never forget it. Another thing that that I went through when I got on the mound, I had first and second. There's a guy on first and second. I said I got to go from a stretch here. You know, it's like, and I, and there were all my buddies, and when I said I, I had to go home, and they said, well, you should have picked them off. <laughs> I mean, it was, yeah, and you know, it was just just mental mental things that, and and you you noticed it. Uh, it was something that that I just did it. You know, it, it 
like you say, it's, uh, it's it was embedded in me sixty years ago, and it came out. <clears throat> but I, I, I had a a lot of uh, a lot of thoughts and preparing for this, and 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 wondering, you know, want to do right and everything, and it was perfect. The whole day, from the beginning to the end, was perfect. So, Steve, I didn't get to see a chance to see you pitch in 1963 or 64 because I was three and four years old. But I have to tell you, thank you so much for providing one of the greatest moments of an incredible old-timers day. Uh, For me, it was a big thrill to watch you pitch and just the joy you brought to the mound and everything about it. So thank you for your time tonight as well as a a memorable old-timers day. Really appreciate it. Well. I appreciate whatever what you have just said to me, and I appreciate this uh, interview. Uh, it's, it's the highlight of my day. Thank you very much. Thank you. Steve Dillon, member of the 1963-1964 New York Mets, highlight of an amazing old-timers day this weekend.